As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. All right. Welcome back or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes adult film stars, and yes, sportsman drag racing. It is World Foot Break Challenge week, so Jed has bigger fish to fry. Uh, in his absence, I will be joined on this week's show by NHRA National Dragster senior writer, longtime friend of the podcast, Kevin McKenna. Kevin is, um, I've always called him like a drag racing savant, savant like a, uh, a walking encyclopedia of our sport. Kevin and I will be drafting the champions of the NHRA Lucas Oil Series at midseason. Uh, I think we've got a, a fun little uh, exercise uh, to go through. We enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoy it as well. Before I bring Kevin on, I thought I wanted to uh, briefly hit on some news from the past week. I think it's fair to say across the board that any on-track action that we saw, and there was a fair amount of it, was significantly overshadowed, and rightly so, by the passing of one Bill Bader. It's been a difficult year um, for our sport as a whole, between losing John DeBartolomeo, Dave McClellan, now Bill Bader. Um, Our sport would not be what it is today without the contributions of those three incredible human beings and their individual work. While obviously uh, each unique has molded our sport into the one that we know and love, um, as specific to to Bill Bader, um, promoter extraordinaire. Uh, didn't know Bill really well, um, but enough to, know, to to confidently say that in addition to being an unbelievable promoter and, and an ambassador for a sport, great man, 
Great, man. I've got some broad thoughts to share on, uh, on, on Mr. Bader. I'll save that for when Kevin comes on, because obviously um, he's got some insight and, and some close ties to Bill as well. So we'll discuss that in a little bit more depth. On the track, uh, I think the headline event of the weekend was the Firecracker Nationals up at Byron Dragway. I was actually in attendance, wasn't there for as long as I wanted to be, um, but the story coming out of there without question Doug Foley Jr. Uh, he was when I say he nearly ran the table, he was literally one thousandth of a second away from running the table um, in the opening thirty thousand dollar to win event on Friday night, or Friday that stretched into Friday night. Doug Foley Jr. winds up runner up to Shane Pope. A little bit more on Pope later. Uh, as a double breakout. Foley was 1,000th further under. It rained all day Saturday, combining the $100,000 to win main event with what was scheduled to be a $30,000 to win event on Sunday. So it was one race for 130 grand on Sunday where Doug Foley Jr. once again ran through the field uh, and won that event. Um, for Foley, he was in, first off, he was in Chris Galitti's car. So even when Galitti um, isn't there, he wins, right? <laughs> Even when Galitti loses, he wins. Uh, the, I think that the backstory there was Galitti had heard a motor, uh, fully agreed to take that car up to his engine builder, got it fixed and, uh, and, and basically ran it one weekend. I believe it was the first time he'd set in the car, uh, and goes on just a rampage at Byron Dragway. So, uh, Foley now like impressive, impressive stuff on his end. Because if you remember, it was the uh, the loose rocker event at Galat right at a year ago that he won a massive payday behind the wheel of Jeff Burns' Team Slushy Dragster. Uh, it was, uh, I don't remember the exact purse, but six figures, right? Like 200 plus thousand dollar to win event. Foley wins that. Now, roughly a year later, he does the same thing. Uh, two wins of that magnitude, of that purse in basically a calendar year, really impressive stuff. When you combine it, uh, like it's, um, it's interesting, perhaps ironic that Foley wins those two windfall events, the two biggest wins of his career in borrowed cars. And if I understand correctly, he had never driven either car prior to that weekend. So pretty like impressive stuff, but also, um, you know, I mean, if you ask Foley, I, like, I'm sure he's not getting all of the winnings that he would have gotten in his car. So it might not be as, uh, as beneficial as you might initially think, but nonetheless, uh, pretty noteworthy, uh, really impressive stuff when, when watching Foley do what he did this weekend. Um, awesome. I mentioned Shane Pope, who's the other winner of the weekend uh, in that 1,000th double breakout to win on Friday night. I thought that was a great story too. Shane Pope ran through the bottom bulb side, which is actually a, a, a common occurrence at Byron in general and specific to this event in years past. Uh, we saw Jeremy Bowsman win the, the main event um, coming through off the bottom. Hastings has been close coming through off the bottom. There've been several individual day winners on the bottom bulb side. And Byron, that event is one of the few that that I attend, or maybe that I've ever attended, where I think if no box door cars don't outnumber top bulb door cars, it's neck and neck. I think it's very close. There's a significant no box turnout, no box crowd up there, really tough. Shane Pope rolls through that crowd in a 680 Pinto, by the way, might be the year of the Pinto to watch that. We'll keep tabs on that, uh, rolls through that. And then, uh, I think when he combined with the, uh, the main event, there was maybe seven cars left. So then goes through, um, three rounds against box 
door cars, two rounds against Bachdorf's door cars, and then the final against uh, against Foley and the dragster. Um, Shane Pope ends up winning. It's his second big event win of the season at that facility in the Pinto. He won a 10 grander um, a month or so ago. So pretty cool uh, local guy in a Pinto, 680 door car, you know, nothing special to look at. Obviously, good car, good equipment, um, taking on, you know, some of the best racers in the world um, and, and coming out on top. Thought that was noteworthy. And then in the $130,000 to win main event that I mentioned earlier, Doug Foley ends up triumphant. His final round opponent, how about Randy Folk? How about Randy Folk? 71 years young, I believe, Randy Folk, like comes to Byron, channels the RF of old, right? I mean, that's that's the stomping grounds for Randy Folk's heyday, right? So comes to Byron, channels the Randy Folk of what, you know, 30 plus years ago when Randy was truly, truly dominant. Um, and I think it's it's interesting just how time changes perception because I think over the course of his career, whether that's due to um, his success, uh, Randy Folks, or uh, you know maybe his uh, brashness, willingness to be outspoken, um, I think it's fair to say that throughout his career, Randy's been a pretty polarizing racer. Right, you either love him or hate him. I think he's reached that point where everyone roots for him. Like it's hard not to root for Randy at this point and to see him roll through, like, again, having been there, I can attest to this. Randy didn't just advance to the final of the 130 grander, like dude put on a show all weekend. Double entered was one of the last double entered cars standing both days of the event, uh, was deep both days of the event, I believe was doubled into round five or six of the 130 grander goes on to runner up wrecking the tree, just making really, really good runs. Um, so, and I think the coolest thing about it for, for Randy and really for those of us just watching, I don't know if you happen to see Randy's winner circle, runner up circle, if you will, photo from Byron, obviously that's, that's folk central up in that area. I'm telling you like the, the town of Durand or maybe the town of Byron, maybe the county of whatever county we're in, they were all in that picture. There's like 80 people in the picture, probably four plus generations of folks and all the friends. Like it just, it, it really hammered home what this sport is about, the legacy of that man, that family. Like it was just, it was cool to see. Um, talked about the Galetti, Chris Galetti and the Galetti family earlier and how, uh, they win even when they don't win. Well, they, they won twice on the weekend um, at the uh, at the micro million, basically the, the warm up for the SFG 500 that is going on now this week. As you listen, um, Corey Galitti won day two there. So it's $10,000 payday. Great way to start that week. Matt Daddis ran the table uh, off the top bulb in day one, earning not only the win, but also runner up. Yeah, Matt Daddis, that mad ass. Uh, ran himself in the final of basically the the opening day of the what nine day festivities up at US 131. Um, I thought it was worth noting too on the no box side of that. I believe it paid five grand each day in no box. And uh, local racer Al Bruchart nearly ran the table as well. Got the win Saturday over Cam Fredrickson, making the haul up from Florida. And then uh, Bruchart came back and runnered up Sunday to Justin Wanamaker, another standout local racer in that area. As we zoom out from that, I guess time will tell. And perhaps by the time that you listen to this, um, you can you can either nod your head or, or prove me wrong. It'd be interesting to see Matt Dadis, Corey Galetti. Like I would assume that the thought process is A, 
Um, you save some fuel money, run two 10 granders leading up to the, the week long marathon that is the SFG 500. And I think the working theory is like you get a lot of runs over that weekend leading into the event where time runs are scarce, right? And, and, and runs may be limited. You get a lot of data to go into that week of the SFG 500. I'll just say from my own experience, nine days at one racetrack is a lot. I mean, seven days at one racetrack is a lot. I think it's really difficult to come around in day five, six, seven, and that data be useful. Like you stare at the number in the box that you know, that's the number that you need in the box. It's just hard to keep letting go. You know what I mean? Maybe I can say that I'm old, right? Matt and Corey are not. We'll see how that how that strategy plays out for them. Like we'll see if they're able to still channel that, you know, on day, let's see when it really matters. It's going to be day eight for those guys. So it'd be interesting to keep tabs on. The other uh, big dollar bracket event worth noting from the weekend was the Great American Stars and Stripes down at Holly Springs in Mississippi. Main event winners there, I believe it was 20 grand to win on the top. Saw Buddy Farrell and Chris Jones take the top ball main event wins. David Bell and Kyle Rumley. Big winners off the bottom. I believe that uh, was 15,000 to win or at least advertised 15,000 to win. I'm not sure they got the bottom ball car count to pay all of it, but it's funny how just a week ago, Jed and I were talking about how David Bell had never won a $10,000 bottom ball race. And we thought that's bizarre, right? That dude should have won 12 of them. Well, it took him a week. Got one now. (laughs) Check that off the list. Um, As we transition into into KMAC, I'll I'll touch on the lone NHRA event of the season of the weekend. And that was the national event in Norwalk where double O Joe, Joseph Santangelo got the near double. Uh, I don't believe I tried to look this up and I couldn't find it. I don't believe he's doubled before. He's been close a few times. Um, He got the stock eliminator win at Norwalk and then uh, an advance to the super stock finals, actually the, the last pair of cars down the racetrack on Saturday. So he'd already won stock when he staged up for the super stock final laid down a really solid run in super stock. In fact, super stock box score for Santangelo, super impressive. I think he was 20 once like 004 of the six or seven rounds and 003 in the final, uh, but two above and Tyler Bohannon got under that to break up the double uh, in a, in a great final round. So Bohannon now, uh, if you remember, he won Superstock at the points meet at Norwalk, uh, follows that up undefeated at Norwalk on the season in Superstock, and and that will stand. There are no more NHRA events at Norwalk. Tebow just continues uh, this banner season or or really what now, um, nine, 10 months of of incredible uh, incredible performances, top ball, bottom ball, bracket racing, class racing, like you name it, Tyler does it at a super high level. And both of those men, um, Joe Santangelo and Tyler Bohannon, we'll probably get into this a little bit with Ken- Kevin. Um, both Bohannon and Santangelo at this point, I think, could be considered probably dark horse superstock title contenders. In a normal season, they would both be considered very much title contenders at this point. I say dark horse this year because of what Greg Stanfield has done. Um, and maybe to a lesser extent, Ryan McClanahan as well. The seasons that they're putting together look untouchable. Um, but the score box scores that are the, the points total scores that both Bohannon and Santangelo are amassing are impressive in their own right. Other news from Norwalk, Black, Blake Peevler didn't win top dragster. It's you've reached a new level. When we talk about how you don't win, it was the first time this season that the reigning NHRA world champion, Blake Peevler went down the racetrack and didn't see his win light. I believe he fell in round two in Norwalk. That set the stage for Al Kinney to get the win in top dragster, another former world champion, Al Kinney. Um, 
unfortunate final there. Karma Hopper had uh, had broken something, I believe had a nitrous explosion and Senais was unable to make the call. That was a bit of a trend actually in the, the final rounds at Norwalk. Um, like uh, it, it took a little bit of the, uh, the, the, the shine off of them. There wasn't, uh, wasn't a whole lot of, uh, of drama necessarily in a lot of the final rounds. The other one being uh, Frank Aragona, I think had a, a fuel leak of some sort in the final account got shut off on the starting line. Super classes at Norwalk two nasty finals actually resulted in two first-time national event winners. First in Super Gas, Dwayne LaFleur lays down 16 total in the Super Gas final, needed every bit of it, as Dave Copes took was 19 total beside him. And I know you bracket raisers think it's 16 total, 19 total. We see that every day. Like, again, you don't get to pick the dial in. It's on the long track. Laying down sub 20 in a final round, you'd take that any day of the week. So, kind of a tough break for Copestick, but cool to see Dwayne LaFleur gain his first national event victory. And then in Super Comp, Pat DeBottis and Bob Prose leave the starting line uh, with a 001 reaction time combined. Prose was perfect. DeBottis is 001. They both ran a touch slow, so the overall package didn't look amazing. I think they both went 92. DeBottis gets the close win. Um, and Pat Tabatis, double uh, O, obviously in the final, double O one. He was double O on the tree in four of his six rounds of competition, including the last three rounds. So that's a pretty incredible way to score your first national event win. And just kind of zooming out from that a little bit, both Dwayne LaFleur, your super guest winner, and Pat Tabatis, your super comp winner, are two guys that have been at this a long time that collected their first national event wallies. Like that's always just super cool to see, you know, someone that's put in the work for a long time, competed at a high level, but it's just never fallen together on that stage to see those two guys who are uh, super likable, you know, I mean, very popular guys in the pits, um, both get to, to take that stage and at Norwalk get the ice cream scoop on the same day. Just, just cool stuff. That's ultimately what the sport is all about. So that's a little bit of an NHRA recap that sets the table for today's show up next, Kevin McKenna, but first, PJ North. All right, as advertised, I am joined now by National Dragster and NHRA.com senior editor, longtime friend of the podcast, Kevin McKenna. Kevin, how are you, sir? Great. It, it's nice to be back. It, it's been a little while. I, I know we did this uh, during the, what seems like the uh, long time ago, the pandemic, um, but we had a lot of fun. It helped us get through that time and uh, now happy to be here under a little more normal circumstances. 100%. I was just, uh, I was thinking the same thing. It, uh, I, it feels like it's been a while, but I think part of that's because we used to do this every week, you know? We, we, we did. And we were, we were trapped at home and we looked out the window and wondered what the world was doing. And uh, it, it's funny how that tends to slow time down, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see that. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to say things are back to normal. Obviously we We've got some things going on in the world right now, but uh, but hey, we're, we're all out there racing, and that's the important thing. Absolutely. It's great to see you nonetheless. Um, I think it's, it's fair to start. We're going to get into some fun stuff. We're going we're gonna to draft the champions, which is uh, admittedly uh, a shot in the dark. Like we're, we're definitely throwing darts as we get into that, but it, it only feels right to, to start our conversation. And I alluded to this a little bit in the intro, but within the past week since we last recorded, um, we've had uh, two really legends of our sport um, pass away between Bruton Smith and, and Bill Bader. 
I know that you've had dealings with them both. So I wanted to save this, this portion of the show for you. Any, any insights, thoughts, stories from those two gentlemen that resonate? Yeah, I mean, I mean Bruton's contribution is obvious. He, he's built uh, some of the most beautiful drag strips in the world. And, and that for, for all the things he did for the NASCAR community, uh, his people will tell you what he enjoyed most was building things. You know, he wanted that, to, you know, those monuments to be his legacy and every track he built, he tried to make it nicer than the last one. And, you know, you, it makes you wonder where we would be without tracks like Sonoma, Bristol, Vegas, Z-Max. I mean, they, they're kind of are, are the gold standard. And, um, you know, he, he, it wasn't just, a, he didn't just do it to do it. I mean, this was a guy that legitimately enjoyed drag racing. He, he thought it was great. I think, where drag racing is now is kind of a throwback to where NASCAR used to be. And uh, I, I think he enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, and, and moving on to Bill Bader, uh, you know, obviously I think his, uh, what he built in Norwalk speaks for itself. Uh, honestly, the probably the most fan-friendly facility that, the, that we have in the country. You know, I, I didn't, I don't claim to be as close to Bill as, as a lot of the people that, you know, might be on here, but but I do have an interesting story that the year that I worked for IHRA, I went to his Halloween Classic, which was the first time that he topped a thousand cars. So he was very proud of that. Uh, I remember being in the tower and he didn't know me, but he was very friendly and outgoing. And he just happened to ask me, he said, uh, do you race? And I said, well, I've, I've like raced a street car a couple of times, but not really. He says, oh, so you've never been in a race car. I said, no. He said, well, we're going to fix that. Uh, so about 15 minutes later, I'm down in the staging lanes and one of his local guys has a super gas car that happens to have a passenger seat, a full set of belts. And I'm in this thing and uh, we go 975 at 140. And he's like, well, now you've been in a race car. So, 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 so that was uh, that, that was my introduction to driving anything with with any kind of real power, not not driving, but riding along. And wow. uh, it was really cool. And, and that was kind of I think that kind of speaks a little bit to Bill that he. You know, he, he wanted to entertain people. And I think he wanted to make sure that uh, the guy there for the first time was having a good time. And uh, he did just that. Yeah, no, uh, similar to, to you, I never got the opportunity to, to meet Bruton Smith in person. Obviously, his, his contributions to the sport are uh, really unmatched. Um, and, and similar to you, I, I had limited interaction with, with Bill Bader, always, always looked up to him uh, significantly. And it, what always struck me about him, and I don't know if you got an opportunity to read, I was, I was looking over uh, Bobby Bennett's column on, uh, on Competition mm -hmm. Plus, kind of a memoir on, uh, on Bill Bader. And he really put to words what I had assumed in, in, in watching from afar, because what always stood out to me about Bill Bader, like it, I don't think it's fair to say that any of us are, are, are without ego, but he was very um, comfortable in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And yet seemingly didn't need the spotlight. You know, I mean, case in sure. point, when, when he stepped away from IHRA, like he handed over the reins to Aaron Polburn and, and you right. didn't really hear from him again. And, and very much the same way with uh, with what's now Summit Motorsports Park at, at, at Norwalk. Uh, when, when his son took the reins, you know, it didn't, at least from a public standpoint, Bill Sr. didn't interfere at all. You know, I mean, there was, there was, it was nowhere to be found. It was, it was Billy's show. And, and I think that that's in and of itself, pretty rare, especially when you consider how good that man was at his job, right? And how beloved mm -hmm. he was to just be able to walk away and not need the, the, the satisfaction from that. I think that's something that we could all learn from. Sure. And then I assume at some point you, you reach the point where you, you felt like you've done 
your part. You feel like you've done what you needed to do. And yeah, I, I guess maybe when it's time, step away, hand things over. Um, you do that. It, it, it's funny. One, one funny Bruton Smith story that we like to share is uh, uh, probably four or five years ago, I think it was the four wide race. We're getting ready to run the final rounds. They're prepping the track. You've got all the cars lined up. Well, coming through the staging lanes, the, the, the tight little narrow uh, to the left of the tower, uh, here comes this black Mercedes. And I, I remember honking, they're honking the horn. And I think Andrew Hines was ready to run the pro stock bike final. He had to move out of the way. Well, this black Mercedes pulls up, parks right in front of the tower. Well, it turns out it was Bruton. He just got in there. He wanted to watch the finals. He wanted a ringside seat. So if you ever look at the video, um, there, there is this, you know, high dollar expensive black Mercedes sitting there parked right on the starting line as we ran all the finals. And then uh, as soon as the last final cleared the lights, uh, they, they were out the gate. But uh, uh, th th that was Bruton. There wasn't a lot about him that was subtle, uh, which I think was also part of his charm. Definitely adds to the mystique. Uh, all right, um, let's switch gears. Let's have a little bit of fun here. We are going to, we're roughly at the halfway point of the, the NHRA uh, Luke Soil Series season. And so we're going to do our best. We're going to draft the champions. So ultimately, we're, we're trying to predict our 2022 national champions within the, th the, the seven true sportsman categories, or what, what I true in, in air quotes there. So we're talking competition eliminator, super stock, stock, super comp, super gas, top dragster, top sportsman. So for the purposes of our draft, Kevin, Every NHRA competitor in 2022 that is that is staged or, or will stage in any of those seven categories is technically on the board. It is our job to draft the champions. We'll get 10 picks each. Um, you can draft racers from any of the seven categories at any time. You can draft 10 racers from one category if you like, although that's probably not going to end up winning the contest, right? <laughs> well, you, you, you'll pick one right, I assume. Yeah, you'll get one, right? <laughs> we'll look back at, at season's end, whoever's drafted the most 2022 world champions uh, wins. And maybe we can develop a, a friendly wager on this. I haven't thought about that. Maybe we can follow up on that. But uh, the board is wide open, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll even give you first pick as the guest that is the most generous thing you can do because I think we realize uh, that there is one name that stands out uh, and, and it's, I'll spare the suspense. It's Greg Stanfield. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's having another monster season. Uh, I mean, he's already crested 500 points and he's been to one national event. Uh, knowing Greg's busy schedule, he will pick up the slack in that later in the year, but uh, it, it just, that's, that's pretty much a layup here. It sure feels that way. And it's one thing to accumulate the, the score that he has accumulated to this point. And it's another thing to be Greg Stanfield. Like he's been in this position. He's, he's catapulted to the top on five different occasions. He's one yeah. of the guys that you trust to finish the job, right? Yeah, he, he doesn't miss often. And, uh, you know, last year I kind of wondered uh, when he did so well at points meets if he would pursue it. Mm -hmm. um, kind of foolishly to think he wouldn't um but you know again his schedule tends to be he, he kind of takes the summer off to uh do the factory stock stuff with aaron and you know division four is done with their lucas oil series events but uh, i'm sure you'll see him do a little bit of traveling uh once we get later in the year and uh i mean honestly if he just goes to two more events even if he does nothing that puts him at 560 mm -hmm. and uh, and you know he's not going to finish there 
<laughs> right. You know? Hard to imagine, certainly. Yeah. All right. So I feel like that was the obvious number one pick. So I, I get the second pick and I feel like the board opens up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm going to go um, to super gas and I'm going to take Austin Williams <laughs> with the second pick. We're on the same, uh, we're on the same a, page. A, a, almost as much of a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, in, he's in really good shape. The only thing I, I touched on this a, a few episodes back, like the only thing that could hold him back is I think two of his wins are short rounded events, you know, five, five round races. So that yep. doesn't look as good on paper as it sounds, but given that he's got the highest average in the class by a pretty significant margin compared sure. and, and pair that with the fact that he's Austin Williams, you know, and, he, and he's like similar to Stanfield has won this, uh, has won two championships in the past. Um, yeah, I think it's a pretty safe bet. I actually, I got, uh, Jed, Jed nailed this. I, I threw trivia time at him a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago, and this is probably a layup for you, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll recycle it. So if Austin pulls this off, and wins the super gas world championship mm-hmm. it would be his third world title in his mm-hmm. third different category yeah, he would yes. join a very elite list of just three other racers that have won championships in three different categories care yeah. to guess uh jeff taylor for sure um you know it's funny a couple of these are probably going to be no-brainers and, and and my brain's not functioning on that level today uh uh Edmund or yeah, Edmund for sure. And, uh, Peter Biondo. How'd I do? Peter's correct. Uh Edmund's won five, but they all came in super comp or stock. Oh, yeah. I thought it, yeah, that's right. He's trying to win the super guest. Correct. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Jeff Taylor, I'm, I'm going to pull it up now just to make sure that I'm not lying to you, but I believe he's got three comp, comp, super stock and stock. I don't think he's got one in stock. Yeah. His first one, 1981. Okay. Well, you might, you might've tripped up the whole system. <laughs> See, <laughs> The one that I know you missed, I'll do some research. We'll follow up on that by the, at the end of the show to make sure that you're right. The one that you missed is Scotty Richardson, yeah. uh, super comp, super gas in the same year. Right. I guess when, when, when you have seven, um, it's pretty good odds that you're going to, you're going to have multi-classes. <laughs> Fair enough. The third pick goes to you. Hmm. Uh, th- th- this is where it gets interesting. Yeah. And, 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 and you probably, it, it's amazing that three picks in we're gambling, but uh, that's how these things go. And uh, I'm going to go with a guy who's off to a fantastic start. Don't know how, how hard he pushes this, but uh, Don Mazir in uh, top sportsman. Nice. He was, uh, he was on up my big board as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic start to the season out West. Um, I assume just given the situation that he's in that, Kind of like you'd said about Stanfield last year. I assume Don Mazir will pursue this. It's going to take a little bit of windshield time. It's going to take a little bit of travel, but right. opportunities like this don't come along often, right? Yeah, and and you look at the the way that their season shakes out out there in Division Seven. Uh, th- there's a pretty healthy uh, bunch of races towards the end of the year. You know, I know Vegas has, uh, I believe it's still a triple uh, with the national and divisional. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he has some opportunities to do it without. Uh, uh, you know, driving all over the earth. But, uh, you know, again, when, when if, if I have the sort of start he did, then I'll, I'm probably going to uh, try to see that through to land. Uh, you got me caught up trying to research. So the fourth pick comes to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to give me two in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So I will go and cross off Thomas ear off my big board. 
I'll go to comp eliminator and I'll take David Eaton with my mm. fourth pick. He's off to a yeah. tremendous start. I believe, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I could pull this up. Uh, I believe he's got three wins and a runner up. Uh, again, they've been in division two where they're fairly short rounded races, but mm-hmm. he's accumulating a score. That's going to be really difficult to catch. I think it's fair to say that he's the favorite at this point in comp eliminator. Yeah. And, and, and I, t- to me, anyone in comp, uh, I, I, I tend to give them extra credit for having a really fast car. Uh, you know, you're able to navigate some of the points meet tracks and things. And, and so far, he's done that pretty well. No question. David Eaton's box score, just to follow up, I, I actually undersold him. He's got four wins in six appearances. So that's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, and, and again, uh, you know, some of those are, are short fields, but uh, you're just going to have that in this day and age. 100%. Pick number five goes to you. So we've got a super stock, a super gas, a top sportsman, and a comp eliminator off the board. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to, uh, well, I don't want to, boy, there, there's a couple ways we could go here. Um, uh, let's go to top dragster and we'll take, uh, I believe is the current leader, uh, Wayne Landry. All right. All right. It's Wayne Landry is off four. All right. Landry to this point, pull up our top dragster standings. He's only got two nationals in, mm-hmm. um, but as, as a pretty decent score going. Yeah, he does. He's got uh, a win and two runner-ups, a win nationally, a runner-up nationally, a runner-up divisionally. And I think what kind of tends to get undersold is at this point in the season, especially, he's got a pretty gaudy points total. And he's also got several races on there that are improvable, you know, a couple of first sure, and second sure. round losses. So that, that, total is going to grow significantly. All right. So that's a good pick. Mm -hmm. All right. So Kevin's draft includes Greg Stanfield, Don Mazier, and now Wayne Landry. Take a look at the old big board here, Kevin. Where am I going to go next? I got move Wayne Landry off the list. All right. This. Right, this might be a mistake when I look back on it, especially this early in the draft. <laughs> These might all be a mistake when we look back at it. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. So I think I'm going to actually take my, my second competition eliminator pick here because I think it's a two-way race between David Eaton and Chase Williams. And I think mm-hmm. if I pick them both, I, I secure comp. So give me Chase Williams uh, with my third yeah, that, 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 that Strategically, that's not a bad move. Um, yeah, I, I don't... Uh, I don't fault that at all, um, which, uh, ooh, let's see, puts me on the clock. I don't believe we have uh, we have picked a stock driver yet or a super comp driver. Yeah, I think, um, uh, and there should be, yeah, those are the only two classes we haven't touched on yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I like, uh, again, he's been there before a couple of times. He doesn't have a full scorecard yet, but he's right near the top. Uh, Brad Burton in stock. Ah, all right. He was next on my big board. Nice work. Right. Nice work. Mm-hmm. All right. So Brad Burton on Team K-Mac. Um, oh, should I go the super comp route? And I've got one a little bit higher on my board. Hmm, 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 hmm. All right. So you're looking good in... 
super stocky looking good and stocky looking good in top sportsman. Can I switch with you? I like your draft picks. Um, oh, you, you said you already locked up comp. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm behind. If, 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 if Austin comes through in my comp, I, I got a good, good field so far. All right. Um, I'm going to leave one that's up higher on my big board just because I, I don't think you'll take it. Give me, give me John LaBoost Jr. in super comp. I'm, I was hesitant to pick anyone in super comp early just because, A, it's typical of super comp. It feels like there is at least a dozen drivers that could win. Sure. And of those dozen, uh, 11 of them, 11 and a half are unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like household names. Sure. Oh, yeah. But I don't, given that, there's there's none of them that I trust more than John LaBoost Jr. And he is the leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, with the, the best score, the best average to this point. So I'll, I'll go that direction. Caboose in Super Comp. Right. Okay. Um, I think I am going to employ your strategy that you've used in Comp uh, with Top Dragster, and I am going to take uh, Aaron Stanfield. All right. Top Dragster. Yeah. All right. All right. Was he next on your list? <laughs> no, I, 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 I still, yeah, he was on the list, but he wasn't the one that I passed up. So I feel safe to the extent that, you know, Wayne Landry and Aaron Stanfield are going to end up finishing one too, probably. So <laughs> with that in mind, um, okay, well, I'm going to have to try to combat your Brad Burton pick, who I do think is the odds on favorite in stock eliminator. Um, again, given his start to the season and his, uh, his pedigree experience, if you will. But if there's anybody that's going to catch him, it's going to be Jeff Lopez. Jeff Lopez has started the yeah. season on absolute fire, um, yeah. back-to-back wins, a runner up and a semi. Now, mm-hmm. now those are the only four events that he's been to. I right, assume right. that, uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's plenty of reason to get on the road. I haven't talked to Jeff about this, um, uh, the, I guess the the deterring factor to that outside of $6 a gallon diesel prices is the fact that you're yeah. trying to chase down Brad Burton. That could be yeah. a little bit discouraging, but I'll assume Jeff's going to make a run at this. And if anybody can catch Burton, I think it's him. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's e- easy to believe here. Um, uh, where do we go next? Uh, interesting stuff here. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's funny, we, we, we've talked about this kind of extensively, that there is not, um, and I don't know if it's a product of people doing less traveling or just the overall uh, competitiveness, uh, you don't have people that, that are really taking control at this point, uh, even though we're, you know, we're about to be heading into July. Um, just kind of, kind of a peculiar spot, but uh, it, maybe not the worst thing either to have it wide open where you get to the late stages and people feel like uh, they've got a good chance. So no, to your point, I don't, I feel like this year more than most, every class with the possible exception of Superstock, is very much wide open. And even mm-hmm. Superstock, like I don't Stanfield's put himself in a, in a, in a different category, but he's mm-hmm. not the only driver showing out, you know I mean? Ryan McClanahan's having what would otherwise be a championship caliber season, you know, start to the sure. season. And a few others are putting together really nice runs. Like it's not crazy to think that your top two or three in Superstock could all crest 700 points, and that could get really interesting. Well, it's true. Or, yeah, or yeah. 650. We, Let's 700 is a pretty high bar. Sure, but we we, we don't know what we might find when we get to Vegas and Pomona in the fall. Um, 
But anyway, to, to not uh, hold up uh, the proceedings, uh, I'm going to go back to uh, Super Comp and take uh, James Glenn. Uh, I like where he's at. If you look at his average, is actually a little better than John Labuse's. Yep. Um, and you know, we'll see where that where that takes us. Yeah, no, I feel like those two are the the front runners in Super Comp without question. And and again, amongst a really talented field, um, two guys that I think you could easily lay your money on and feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got six picks in. I've got five. I'm going to go. I feel like this is a value pick. I think I think it might be on the board later, but I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and snatch it up just so that I have a chance in top dragster. Give me Blake Peevler. Peevler, mm. your reigning champ that's a little bit off the board at this point, but only because he hasn't been to a ton of events. Been to right, three races right. and uh, Norwalk last week in the national event was the third. It was the first time that he didn't, his, it was the first time he didn't see his win light. He won the first two divisionals he went to, I think mm-hmm. lost second round at Norwalk. So, uh, and he's the reigning champ. So I, I like Peevler to make a run. Yeah. Oh. Uh, sticking with the, uh, the top classes. Um, I like where uh, Fast Freddie Perkins is in uh, in Top Sportsman, um, coming off a, a, a big win uh, there in Epping and got got a pretty decent score with some holes to fill. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where that takes us. All right. So second Top Sportsman pick. You're trying to corral that class on me. I haven't picked one of those yet. I'm going Top Sportsman. <clears throat> All right. So I don't want to divulge to you. I feel like it would be more entertaining <laughs> for the listeners if I went through my big board at this point. Mm-hmm. Of where I want to go. I think <laughs> I have what four picks left. Yeah. I have not picked a super stalker because you got Stanfield. Mm-hmm. Um, picked every other class. No, I got to be missing something else. What else am I missing? Top sportsman. So you have Mazir and Freddie Perkins. Well, actually, I'm not even sure the rules. How many are we picking? 10 each. Oh, 10 total. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know if this was 10 per class and we'd be, we'd be oh, here. Gosh. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well, that, that, that makes perfect sense. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're getting down to the short rows. I'll go on the off chance that Brad Burton doesn't win stock eliminator. I had mentioned Jeff Lopez as the, the perennial contender. I'll go with another one that again, hasn't been to a ton of races has showed out where he's been. Obviously, there's a lot of meat on the bone to, to mm-hmm. catch Brad Burton, but this is a Joe Santangelo is a is a racer that has been through this fight several times. He's mm-hmm. he's won a championship. He's come close numerous occasions. I think by season end, season's end, he's going to have a say in this. I'll, I'll take Greg Stanfield in stock eliminator. He's actually probably a title contender in super stock as well, but I will take uh, I'll take him in stock. Mm. Right, so three picks each remain, Kevin. Okay, well, I, well, I, I probably need a comp driver then, since I don't currently have one. Um, boy, and, and you, uh, yeah, you already have Chase Williams, which uh, yeah, I got Williams and Eaton. Mm, not a bad pick at all. You know, I, I know Greg Campaign is leading, but uh, running out of races, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you just, I mean, he's almost out of divisionals. I just don't know if that's a score that holds up. 
Um, you know, I don't know how many races Jeff Taylor is going to run, um, but he's got two nationals to go with a reasonable score. I, I, actually, you know what? Scratch that. I am going to just totally take a flyer here and go with Frank Aragona Jr. You know, I know, I mean, obviously Frank is, uh, is back, thankfully, um, after dealing with a few things, but, uh, you know, he's been to three finals, final in Norwalk last week, which yep. I know he broke, but, um, you know, that's still a guy that has consistently demonstrated his ability to get it done. Uh, and I think we like him for one more time. Always a good pick in comp eliminator. And I was thinking that too, because I knew that uh, Frankie been on a bit of a roll. Hasn't, hasn't got over the hump and held the wall yet, but to your point, right. three finals, I think in his last three or four events following up, you may, I may, I'm going to make you do some research here because I feel like I'm wrong, but <laughs> what I'm pulling up on Jeff Taylor, circling back to him, <clears throat> was a pair of super stock titles in 88 and 91 and the comp eliminator title in 05. Uh, and the stock title in, in 81. Okay. He, so he, 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 he won stock and Charlie won super stock. So they, uh, they were the first brothers to, uh, to double up. Okay. There you and, go. And, and actually he won, you know, he won Indy that year. Uh, the, the, the convertible Camaro that he drove the, uh, uh, the Morton car. Yeah. I remember the car. Mm-hmm. Right, leave it to me to screw that up. That, that not That's only, right. not only does that make mean that I fumbled this episode, it means I fumbled several episodes ago with Chet. Yeah. You know, it's, but, but it gives you more material for the future where you come back and, cor- and well, correct I mean, those things. I like being right. You know I mean? If it, if it has to be three weeks after the fact, then so be it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay so two four six seven after this will be my eighth pick i have no you took wayne landry all right and you took aaron stanfield oh wow i i might be in trouble uh kevin i've got i've got three picks left to make right Uh i have four names remaining on my big board (laughs) Uh oh well um all right i will go Hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to return to super comp. I've already drafted John LaBoose Jr. You took Mm -hmm. Jim Glenn. Look, it's a ways down. I think I know where you're going. Yeah. He's a ways down the point sheet, Mm -hmm. but he's found his way to the top the last two consecutive seasons. And the, the foundation is there to make another run. I think it's hard to bet against Christopher Dodd. If I get an opportunity this late in the draft to put him on my team, that's where I'm going to go. Christopher Dodd, I believe he's been to just four races to this point, but he's been in the final of two of them um, in a in a class that has so much parity that you know, usually 650 is a safe score. I'd say in 600, I'd say in Supercomp, if you crest 600, you got to feel pretty good about it. And I think he's got an opportunity to do that. So I'll go with Christopher Dodd. Okay. And, and I'm actually going to stick around here in the, uh... In super comp because there's a guy I like. Uh, I watched him uh, do a nice tidy job last week in in Norwalk, uh, winning I believe his first national event, and he's got uh, a couple other really nice scores, a couple semifinals on there, uh, plenty of room to improve with you know Division three guy with big events like the Sports Nationals coming up. Um, so let's take uh, Pat Debatis. Nice. All right, we're getting super comp heavy here. Two picks remaining. Oh. Hmm. I don't have a top sportsman competitor on my roster. I will perhaps reach a touch because I don't know 
if the travel schedule will allow or the ambition is there, but Lance Abbott has nearly run the table at the events that he's been to two mm-hmm. wins and a runner up in three events. Uh, if he wants to get on the road, obviously that's a foundation for success. I'll, fit, I'll add uh, Lance Abbott to team Luke. Okay. Final pick. Yeah. And, and, and if I'm, if I have done my arithmetic correctly, uh, I still need a super gas competitor. Uh, and there's several good ones to choose from. Uh, you know, I, I think y- y- your current leader, Mike Boner, is probably top 10 for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if what he's got going is, is enough to, to seal the deal. Um, I, I kind of like where Jim Perry is sitting. Again, yep. another guy who's done it before. He's uh, looking at him. He's got a winner, runner-up, a semi. Um, but I am going to roll the dice here a little bit, I believe, and... Uh, there's, there's two names that stand out way down the list. Um, uh, Tom Carlson from Division Five. Yep, he's got a really nice score going. Uh, with uh, I'm looking here, a win semi. Um, it's been to like fourth round or better at almost every race he's been to, if I remember correctly. Yeah, as as you would say, it's a nice foundation. Um, and then if you look way way down. Uh, yeah, I look at Phil Unruh has got, you know, mm-hmm. he won the big divisional in Vegas, but uh, actually I think I'm going to uh, play it, wouldn't call it safe, but maybe take less of a gamble and go with Carlson. Yeah, that's a good pick. We actually discussed uh, his early season run on the show a few weeks back. And I do think if you're looking for a, I don't even think it's fair to call him a dark horse, um, but but somebody that you wouldn't necessarily um, sure. Think of as a perennial top 10 finisher, making mm-hmm. a good run and very much a capable driver. Tom Carlson's yeah. a great pick. Mm-hmm. All right. I have two left on my board. You know, I actually kind of crossed out Ryan McClanahan when I wrote him down, not because he's not having a great season. I just mm-hmm. really don't think anybody's going to catch Stanfield. But right. how do I not take Ryan here? It's the last pick on the board. Uh, it's kind of a no-brainer really yeah i think that's where i'm gonna have to go i'll just pull this up because this is i I think if any if nothing else this is a testament to how unbelievable greg stanfield's start to the season has been to this point ryan mcclanahan has been to seven events he's won three of them yes and we're sitting here going, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anybody can <laughs> he catch have a chance, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's been to seven events. He's averaging, let's see here, 490. He's averaging over 70 points of an event with plenty of, of junk to throw away. Like he's got a first round and a second round loss. Mm-hmm. And he is trailing Stanfield, who's been to one less race that counts for points. That's ridiculous to say out it, loud. Um, it, 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 it is. And, and you look at what Stanfield does. He races in Division Four which we know has a world of good super stock and stock right. cars. You know, it's not like he's out picking on 18, 20 car fields somewhere. Um, it, it, it's miraculous what, what, what he's able to do, you know, in addition to running his business, you know, helping Aaron, making sure that his factory stock customers are taken care of. Uh, I, I don't think that we can really understate what he's done here the last couple of years. I was, uh, we were fortunate enough to have Greg on over the off season. And I, and I asked him some semblance of that, like, how on earth do you, do you balance this juggling act of running this successful business? Oh, by the way, you know, fielding a, a, a competitive at the minimum pro stock car, Aaron yeah. wins every class that he runs in. It seems like back to back factory stock world champion. And, and it just seemed like they just looked over at the Camaro sitting in the corner and Greg was like, oh, Superstock would be fun. I should go do that again. And, yeah. and 
rolls through it, you know, like 20 years haven't passed since he was dominating the category. No, and, and it's amazing the story of that car where th- that, you know, the, he won the four championships in it. They sold it, bought it back. <coughs> Aaron started winning in it. And then uh, Greg jumps right back in it. And it's like a comfortable pair of shoes where he just picks up right where he left off. And uh, it, it's, uh, it is amazing. All right. So to recap, Team Kevin, Greg Stanfield, Don Mazier, Wayne Landry, Brad Burton, Aaron Stanfield, Jim Glenn, Freddie Perkins, Frank Aragona, Pat Debatis, Tom Carlson. How I'm just looking at this. How on earth did I allow Brad Burton to slip to the seventh pick in this draft? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that, that might come back to bite you. Yeah, my two <laughs> comp picks. I don't I don't know if I feel as good about it or not. Team Luke, Austin Williams, <clears throat> David Eaton, and Chase Williams in uh competition eliminator. John LaBoose Jr., Jeff Lopez, Blake Peevler, Joe Santangelo in stock, Christopher Dodd, Lance Abbott, Ryan McClanahan. I don't know. We both got some big names. We'll have to see how this play, see how this plays out. Be thinking, Kevin. Mm-hmm. There, there's a wager attached to this at some point. We just need to come up with something good. Maybe the listeners can make a suggestion for us. I don't know. Can you teach me how to drive? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're going to have to teach me how to write. We'll put the two together. You know, there, there we go. We, we've made a deal already. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm going to actually close out the show here. Big Jed will be back next week. I'm sure we'll be discussing SFG 500. Obviously, we'll touch on all things World Footbreak Challenge. I think it's a weekend off for NHRA across the board, isn't it, Kevin? It it is. We don't go, uh, we have two weeks and then we go to Denver and then starts the swing and the madness begins all over again. And uh, um, there's um, actually a lot of good things happening. I'll even give you a little tiny little tip. Uh, I believe that in the very near future, we're going to announce the, um, uh, not the full schedule, but at least the uh, the start of the 2023 season. And, and I think uh, it, it might surprise a few people. It's, it's as much detail as I can go into now. Okay. But, uh, but um, you know, there, there's some things happening and uh, it's, uh, fortunately, most of them are good. So. That in the business is like what we like to refer to as a teaser. So that is what that is what you like to refer to as a teaser. <laughs> we will have to stay tuned. Kevin, thanks again so much for joining us. It's great to see you, my friend, and mm-hmm. uh, hope to cross cross paths in person soon. I enjoy it every time. Thank you. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action 
take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.